I'm back. This is Shamina, the Two Quick Things podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Question, I got two topics. Why do people think that leaning in is a universal act? Like everybody can lean in. So a number of years ago, there was a book that came out by Sheryl Sandberg, who at the time, I'm not sure if she still is, but I think so, the COO, the chief operating officer at Facebook. And she wrote this um, book about women and their just need to lean into the discomfort. Now, mind you, I did not read the book. Um, and it'll, it'll show some evidence. I actually wrote notes for this episode. So I've had some time to think about it. But it was this, from what I understood, I saw a few of her interviews and I couldn't be bothered to invest in the book because it seemed like she left out at the time, a large portion of women. So that is women of color, um, LGBTQ um, identified women, uh, perhaps women with disabilities. And so I, I will be honest and say, I, I did not read the book. So I did not listen to the book. It was immediately turned off um, because it felt like just off of the, the onset of it, of someone coming in saying, you need to do this, you need to do this, and not perhaps having a full understanding of the dynamics of what it means to be not a white woman in the world. So, but people really think that this, like we got to lean into the conversation and like, just put yourself out there and trust. And that's not possible for every, everyone. What if I'm the only person in my organization who looks like me or loves like me or who moves about the world like me? How is that? Who, who am I supposed to lean into into this thing called work with. It's also a variety of reasons why I know I don't lean in. So let me name a few. Black, gay, woman, masculine presenting. So that's that has its own complexities and its own layers to it. So I'm not going to dive into that. But when you think about this idea of leaning in, it really is this, for lack of a better term, whitewashed term of like, we should just be able to move into the conversation and just start talking, not realizing that there's so much risk that comes along when you are a person who um, chooses not to speak your mind or even more risk when you choose to speak your mind. So it's like a double edge. If I don't speak my mind, there's a risk that I won't be heard. And there's a marginalization that happens when people are not heard or they don't feel like they have space to use their voice. But then there's the risk of saying something and being ostracized, feeling more isolated or more like I am the other in this situation and no one is, I'm just sitting out there floating by myself. And the weird part is that I'm a fairly vocal person. So um, in terms of work things, if something feels off, I, I work hard to raise my hand or like have a gentle interruption to figure out this seems something is off about this. Can you help me understand why we're moving in this direction or why this is the way the conversation is going? Even in new spaces, I find that um, people will, um, so this is non-women, uh, this is not geared towards women of color. So this is white women, this is white men, sometimes men of color, depending on who it is. Um, and it's not an all or nothing. So if you're listening to this thinking, well, it's not just me, get over yourself and just hush up and listen. But I have found myself more often than not being tested, um, air quote tested about my experience, my viewpoint. Um, and without speaking too much specifically, I was at a meeting that, you know, y'all listen, I got a new job. Um, 
and I was in a conversation with someone and I could see the, I could see here and feel this person like sizing me up on like my approach to a topic, my philosophy and was then trying to like quiz me about why I thought that. And I'm thinking, I won't say what I initially thought. I, I was like, what we won't do is have you try to sway me to think your way or that your way is different. So let me give you some real life example from a black person who really wouldn't be in this position if we went about, you know, recruiting and seeking out candidates the way based on your questions and that shut them up pretty quickly. Um, but it's this constant, like having to defend myself and what I say and how I say it. And it's, it's, it's an emotional labor that white folks just don't have to go through. And there will certainly there will be white people like, well, I had to do this or as the only woman or as the only gay person. Not the same. Let me just be really clear. That is not the same. Um, I don't have the luxury to walk into a space and like have a naivete about me, about like, oh, I didn't know. I'm just trying to learn the culture. There's there's this inherent thing when you show up a certain way that people have this expectation. And I will say people. I mean, sometimes I have to, to talk to myself talk myself out of having that expectation for myself of you're supposed to know what to do. You're supposed to just be able to come in and navigate the, a situation or a problem and come in and fix it. And that's not reality. It's just not, I wish I could say something like more sophisticated than that, but it's not rea a reality. And I realize when I'm in those spaces where I feel uncomfortable or a conversation is going like off and I'm like, where are we going with this? I have taken it upon myself for a few reasons. One, um, I realize that no one has asked me to take this upon myself, but I also realize that there are other people that were before me who spoke up and said something in those rooms that I didn't have access to at that time, that if they didn't say those things, I would not be able to be in the rooms that I have been in. So I feel a responsibility to, like, as I talk about, like, reaching out or back to the, the, the folks coming behind you, I take that responsibility really seriously. And if I don't use my voice to speak truth to what I see, hear, feel, um, I, I, I'm doing myself a disservice and I'm doing other women of color a disservice when people don't always have the agency. They don't feel like they can use their voice. They don't want to lose their job because that happens sometimes when you're the vocal person and you, you stir up some shit. Or if I, I've been saying lately, if you shake the table some, people won't know what to do with it. And they'll, they will see you potentially as someone who is a rebel rouser. I don't even know what that means, but somebody who's going to come in and quote unquote, cause trouble, be problematic. You're not going to fall in line. Then you all of a sudden become someone who doesn't fit the culture, whatever that means. And that's a, that's an easy way for people to kind of phase people out of an organization if they don't fit the culture, which means they said something that got under your teeth, um, and you didn't know what to do with it. So rather than respond and deal with it and, and have the challenging conversations and really um, uh, fold yourself into the work, it's better to have that person or that group of people go away. Um, but really, all that does is exacerbate the problem because you're just pushing something away that is going to, it's a systemic thing. You may push the people out, but the problem is still going to exist there. And this is no reflection of any, like anything that I'm going through now for someone who's like, Ooh, how's the job doing? Don't be so nosy. But I, I, I read a lot. So I'm thinking these, the, the situation, thinking through situations that I've been in where this has been real, where you get, you don't get invited to conversations anymore. You, when you walk into a space, people get quiet. 
um, because they weren't, they weren't talking with you. They were talking about you when you weren't in the room. So what are some things that folks can do? Um, uh, let's be honest, white folks can do or women of color who pass. Um, what can you do to support women of color in your organization? Um, just a quick fact, um, women, women of color, primarily black women, are statistically more likely to experience microaggressions, double standards, and unconscious bias on a regular basis than any other demographic, but a specific nod to black women. So there's, let's just go ahead and put that out there. I'll link the Forbes article that I am kind of referencing to that I read, and then there's a Harvard Business Review one um, so that you can kind of see where I came from with those. Um, here's a few things. I think there's an assumption that if I, so let me use myself as an example, and I have to work hard to counter this and to communicate what my needs are, which is a vulnerable place already to um, be in an organization, maybe one of few in your kind of like, um, you're like, um, if you're like executive staff or mid managers, whatever. Um, but being mindful of assuming that people have it all together because they don't say anything. So I have found myself, working hard to communicate that, okay, well, what, what do you actually need? Because as a new person in this space, I'm hearing what you're saying, and that's not translating to output or product. So tell me what done looks like. Tell me what, like, when, when you say I need it soon, I'm a person who needs a date. So I'm going to ask you, what date are you looking for this for, for, uh, on? Uh, so I, hopefully I can exceed if that's not meet the expectation. But sometimes understand that if I'm packaging or wordsmithing my words so much and I'm fumbling and I tend to be a person who says out loud, you know what, I'm packaging this and I don't want to, I'm not sure what that's about, but this is what I actually mean. Realize that we are working, that I am working harder and women of color, primarily black women, I can't speak to any other woman of color, but I can, I make an assumption that we all have those, uh, uh, some experiences that lead us to maybe not use our voice. Um, Give us patience, give us time, because we are trying to navigate things that other people, white folks, will not understand. It's just fact, and I don't want to hear any bullshit about, like, well, I grew up poor, or, like, I had a black friend. You can keep that to yourself. Go ahead. So if you're having that thought, pause, take yourself out of it, and listen to someone who is in that community that you may have been a part of marginalizing, intentionally or unintentionally. A few other tips. Hold space for us. Sometimes I don't need things to be done in that moment. I don't need you to go and confront somebody else on my behalf. I need you to just sit there, shut the hell up, and listen. I don't need you to get defensive about it. Listen. Um, and understand that we are fighting a daily battle between assimilating to the quote-unquote culture and being authentic to ourselves. Um, and no one, like I said, will understand that in the, on an individual level, and people don't have to work through that. But every day as I'm having conversations, I'm deciding, do I assimilate or do I like uh, be responsive to my own authentic self? And that's a struggle. That's an everyday conversation of like who's going to be turned off by this. And I would love to say in the grand scheme of things that I don't care and that shit doesn't matter, but it does. And it can shape somebody's experience through... Uh, their career. So if not at one organization or in one department, their entire career. Um, provide honest and timely feedback. Show that you care. So one of the things that I said a number of episodes ago was clear is kind and uh, unclear is unkind. 
I have had supervisors who have been so watered down in their feedback. Number one, it was untimely, which is not helpful because that means I've been screwing something up potentially or damaging a relationship over time. And you've just let me out here floating, looking like a fool. Um, so honest and timely feedback. And you can, you need to respond to your own self. If you think like, oh, if I, if I give honest and timely feedback, I'll be perceived as racist or sexist. That doesn't have anything to do with me. I'm trying to show up and I'm trying to do good work. I'm trying to take feedback, um, that is honest and timely. And there's a, there's a part of which anytime you give feedback to people, you've got to put your own stuff aside and figure out what's the message that I need to deliver to this person and not wait like a week to give it to them. Um, and even if the, if I am on the receiving end, am I, if I'm receiving the feedback or if you're giving feedback to some, back to somebody and they don't take it well, that that's a data point. That's something for you to be like, okay, well, let's, perhaps that didn't go well. Let me circle back around and see like, what didn't go well about that? Do I know how that person has responded to feedback? Am I paying attention? Could I ask them how, how was, how was that feedback and what could I do differently that maybe opened you up to hearing the message a little bit more? Was I too fluffy? Cause people like to sandwich shit and then they like to water it down. And I'm like, is this feedback or is this praise? Like, I don't, I don't just, th that's fine. You can sandwich it, but help me know clearly what the feedback is and don't wait to give me that. Cause that will, I will be pissed. I know that. Um, and I also know that feedback, giving feedback to anybody can be hard. So statement, um, check your bias at the door. I think this might be my last tip. Check your bias at the door. So if you have all of these things that you're coming in, you have a woman of color coming into your organization or joining your team, there are some biases that you will have. I don't care who it is. We all have them. I have them. Joe Schmo has them, whatever. Acknowledge those. So because when you make the attempt to ignore them is when they are going to be going to become most prevalent and you're going to step in it. Um, this shows up when if I point out something and then there's an automatic defensiveness or you want to give me an answer. Number one, I don't think you're listening. If the first thing that you have to give me is defensiveness, I, you're probably not listening. Um, so a quick tip on that. Cut that shit out. Cut it out. It's that easy. Take a pause. You do not need to uh, answer everything in that moment. Take a moment to be responsive as opposed to reactive. How about that? How you like that? Be responsive. And sometimes that means taking a breath and thinking about what you just heard. Not how it makes you feel, not all this other stuff. What did you just hear? And how will you respond to that? And that's especially when working with, that's with working with anybody, low key, high key, working with anybody, but especially when you're working with women of color, if your first thing is defensive, defensiveness, when I say something, or you're trying to uh, PLE it away, give a perfectly logical explanation for why something is or is not, I'm done. I've essentially written you off and I will, I will, I will work hard to communicate you with you when I must, because you've shown me who you are by your inability to like manage your own emotions and regulate those things and figure out a way for us to engage together. Cheese. So there's that. Um, so that those are the two things about leaning in and some tips for supporting women of color in your organization. I hope that you will think about those and not do the like, well, it's not me because it is you. I was going to say Karen or Susan. That's not nice. 
I may cut that out, but probably not. But it is you. And that's okay. And the thing to be thoughtful around is how do I respond? Not how do I react? How do I respond in those situations where I feel attention or where I feel myself getting worked up? How do I respond? All right. Um, I want to give two quick shout outs to women that I've never met, but I'm a manifest meeting one of them in a second. The first one is to Beyonce. I feel like that's never going to happen, me meeting her, and that's fine. I've been to all of her concerts um, since 2006, um, and I will continue to go through those. Um, but shout out to her for that homecoming um, extravaganza because, bitch, like my whole life, I, I, I don't, there's no words. Like, I'm black and I felt the blackest I've ever felt in my whole black life. It was amazing. It was beautiful. I was tired watching it. I was like two hours and 37 minutes appro approximately watching that whole, you know, extravaganza. Everything, everything. And I don't want to, if you don't like Beyonce, stop listening to this podcast. So, um, but shout out to her. There's like no words. Like, you know how you have something and you're like, I don't know how to put words to this. This is one of those things. Um, the second one, shout out is to Brene Brown. Bitch, this, she put out this, um, I don't even remember what, it's a Netflix thing that I will put in the show notes. It's like a call to, a call to action, a call to armor. I don't know, sis, but, um, that was everything. So Brene Brown is a researcher on um, shame, vulnerability, um, courage, and something else. Um, but the special is called uh, A Call to Courage, I believe. Yeah, The Call to Courage. It came out on Netflix um, last week, which would have been mid-April. It was so good. Um, there was some new stories in, here, in there. She explains things differently. She has a foul mouth, which I love. Like, I can appreciate somebody who's like, I'm not going to package all this because I speak in this manner in my regular life, and y'all about to get the regular life me. Um, but she said so many things that I haven't even, like, dove into, dived into, dove into. We'll go with I dove into, whatever. And I'm manifesting meeting her because I met her once, and I have a picture with her. Maybe I'll put it in the show thing, but I look like shit in that. But anywho, and the second one is... I'm going to manifest. We're going to do a podcast together. I don't know when. I don't know how. I'm going to tag her in this, but I need to meet her and do a podcast with her because um, the stuff she even said at the, like, nearest the end around, like, Black Lives Matter and, like, white folks and being the ones to initiate the conversation, uh, everything. Like I said, no words. I'm here for Brene Brown. We're going to, she's going to be on this podcast. I don't know when, so don't hold me to a date. But I'm, I'm going to manifest that in some way, shape, or form because it just feels too right. All right. This has gone long. You can find me on, uh, what is it, Instagram and Facebook under Two Quick Things. I'm on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and SoundCloud. If you're already listening to it, you know where you, know where you got it. Keep listening. Share it with a friend. And if you've got any questions, comments, you can comment on the post on IG or you can slide in my DMs. I hope y'all have a great day. Mm -hmm.